Good morning, everyone. Welcome to those in the sanctuary and joining us online today. It's good to be able to study God's Word all together. This summer, we've been working through the book of Acts and learning about the mission that Jesus has for us that's made possible through the power of the Holy Spirit's work in us. If you'd like to use a Bible this morning as we go through the Word, the ushers will be coming up and down the aisles in a moment. Just raise your hand, and they'll get one to you to use this morning. And all through the book of Acts, we've seen the Holy Spirit at work in a lot of different ways in different people. Through the bold fisherman Peter, we've seen the Holy Spirit work in bold talk and miracles. And through the eloquence of the highly educated Pharisee-turned-Christian theologian Paul, we've seen uh, the Holy Spirit work through him. Through the obedience of a very good man, a Roman soldier named Cornelius, God used to teach Peter and the larger church that Jesus opened the way for all different cultures of people to be reconciled with God through Jesus' grace. And through a disciple named Tabitha, who worked to show Jesus' love in practical ways to those people who were in need all around her, to show Jesus' love is for everyday people with everyday concerns. And today, we're being introduced to a new member of the Acts team, displaying a different spiritual gift. And we actually met him way back in Acts 4, but we don't get to know him until now. He is, in Acts 4.36, Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. Now, did you ever notice there are lots of nicknames in the Bible? There's Simon Peter, the Rock, or James and John, the Sons of Thunder. How many of you have ever had a nickname? Any of you? Well, for me, I've noticed that nicknames usually come from some kind of significant moment that you shared with people or it has some kind of insight into who you are, for better or for worse. And for me, the only nickname that I've ever had that's actually stuck for any length of time probably sounds like the worst ever. Some of you know this already. My nickname is Auntie Ewbugs. And there is a story to that. <laughs> Once when my friend Molly's oldest boy was about three years old, I went to see her for a couple of days. And when her three-year-old got restless, I offered to take him out to explore the yard. So as we were tooling around in the yard, discovering what there was to see, he decided he wanted to roll over a large rock. And of course, when he did, all kinds of creepy crawly things went shooting out from under it. And he immediately looked at me for my reaction. And I said, ew, bugs, ugh, like that which of course made his day, because uh, like many three-year-old boys, finding gross bugs is about the best thing that could happen to you. The only thing that would make it better was to, to be if you could gross out someone else with the discovery of said bugs, and that someone was me. So after I left, my friend Molly said, or he asked my friend Molly, where did auntie go? And since several of us had been visiting, she asked him, which auntie, honey? And he thought for a moment, and then he said, Auntie, you bugs. <laughs> yep, that's me. Marked for all time by my reaction to creepy crawly things, I am now Auntie Ewbugs, and I have been for years now. <laughs> Thankfully, when Molly's daughter came along, something got lost in translation, and now I'm often Auntie Oodubs instead. That's much better, right? <laughs> but honestly, I don't care. I don't mind, because it was such a fun day. And it's a moment of connection that I had with him that I guess now I'll never forget. But as far as nicknames go, I'm guessing Barnabas actually liked his a bit better. It's significant that even though his name was Joseph, the text tells us the apostles call him Barnabas, son of encouragement, because that's what they experienced in him. Romans 12 tells us, 
We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith, like Peter did with the vision of Cornelius. If it is serving, then serve. We saw that in Tabitha and in Stephen as they served the widows. If it's teaching, then teach. We see that in the Apostle Paul. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. That's what we're going to see in Barnabas today. And the more that we learn about him, the more we see why his nickname, Son of Encouragement, stuck, and the more we come to understand the vital spiritual importance of this often overlooked spiritual gift. And the very, very first person to benefit from this gift that we see is the Apostle Paul. Now, you remember a couple of weeks ago, Dan shared Paul's story with us. This was a guy who was actively looking to destroy or to shut down any Christians that he could find until Jesus changed his heart from a persecutor to a fully convinced believer in Jesus' way of grace. And after this dramatic heart change, Paul goes back to the synagogue in Damascus, and instead of leading the charge against the Jesus movement, now he stands up and he confesses, I was wrong. Jesus is God's Messiah. You should all follow him. And you can imagine how well that went over. <laughs> and in the end, if some supporters hadn't lowered him over the wall in a basket, that would have been it for Paul. But Paul then goes to Jerusalem to try to find the Christian church so he can join up with them. But you can imagine nobody wants anything to do with him because this was the guy who had been hunting Christians and now he shows up and says, hey guys, I'm one of you now. Invite me to your secret meetings. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> you can understand why they would be a little hesitant, right? But talk about how discouraging this would be for Paul. Jesus completely changes his life, and he totally walks away from the life he once knew, and now he comes into this new community, and nobody trusts him enough to let him in. Can you imagine how that would feel? Conditions are ripe for discouragement to set in and take down this passionate new believer and all of his potential. Now, we might think discouragement doesn't really sound like that big a deal, <laughs> But I think very often, discouragement is the most subtle and powerful tool that the enemy of our souls uses to derail us from living into our God-given purposes in life. Because unfortunately, I think it's not all that hard to convince most of us that we're not all that important or wanted or actually needed, isn't it? They say for most people, it takes five times more encouragement to counteract one word of discouragement. Because for some reason, we're always so much more willing to believe the bad things that, than the good things that people see in us, aren't we? And there were plenty of bad things in Paul's past that could drag him down. I'm sure he spent plenty of time feeling remorse over the things that he had done. But since he was forgiven and made new, he wants to move forward now to embrace what Jesus has for his life next. But how could he do that if the community around him didn't believe that Jesus had actually done that in him? In our Holy Spirit series, Pastor Darren taught us about the word inspiration, that we're inspired when the Holy Spirit is working in us. We're inspirited. And in a very similar way today, I want to help you remember the importance of the spiritual gift of encouragement by reminding all of us what's at the root of this word, courage. We all need courage to live into the life that Jesus calls us to. And the role that we play in each other's lives can either serve to discourage or to encourage us in living our faith courageously. 
It takes courage to live out our faith in this world, to live into our gifts, to tell our stories, to be authentically vulnerable about being both the wretched and glorious redeemed sinners that we are in Jesus Christ. And our words and our actions have so much power, either to give courage or to take it away, don't they? I know I don't have to convince you of that, because if you're a human being, you've experienced it. So what discourages you? What sabotages your courage? What causes you to question the unique value that the Lord has placed in your life? Now, once you think of those things, now I want to invite you to think of the opposite. What encourages you? What helps fill you with courage to move forward? What fills your sails, helps you to want to take a chance on using the gifts and the passions that God has placed in your heart for the sake of the world, no matter what the world's reaction is to you? What encourages you to live courageously in your faith? Well, I'm guessing for most of us, that kind of encouragement comes in the form of people. People who reflect back to us what Jesus has shown us about our eternal value and worth to him. Because the truth is, we all need to know that someone believes in us. That despite our many faults, our lives can be used in powerful and important ways for things that matter. And because we live in a discouraging, deflating world, we need to be consistently re-couraged by Jesus' love for us right where we are. And Paul was no exception to that. In this story, we see how God answers this need in the life of Paul through the spiritual giftings of Barnabas, the encourager. And I think in this story, we see that giving encouragement to others can actually be one of the best ways we can impact the world. If you'd like to follow along with this story, it's found on page 1608 of your Quest Bible. It starts in Acts 9 at verse 26. When he, Paul, came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. Now that could have been the end of Paul's story, isolated and alone in Jerusalem. I wonder how long he would have lasted. But instead, in showing real courage, born out of Jesus' courageous love for us, Barnabas dared to reach out to Paul. And he got to know him. He learned his story. And then not only that, he told Paul's story to the church. He interceded for him. He vouched for him. And because he did, Paul was encouraged to become one of the greatest apostles of all time. But if it wasn't for Barnabas, would we ever have known Paul? I don't know. Discouragement can be a pretty powerful force on the human spirit. But through Barnabas, Paul was encouraged not to step back, but step forward. And it wasn't long before the church saw that Paul was the real deal, because soon everybody wanted to kill him. (laughs) So they sent him off to Tarsus to save his life. And then comes Barnabas' second act of encouragement. When he heard that the gospel was spreading in Antioch, Barnabas thought a bold and educated man like Paul could be very useful. So again, he stepped in to encourage him. He said, Paul, you've got gifts that we need. Come here and join me in this mission. So he brought Paul to Antioch, 
And together, they taught for a year, Barnabas the encourager and Paul the proclaimer. And you might realize this, but people who are gifted to present the faith publicly very often get torn down. It kind of comes with the job. And I believe that's why Barnabas' gift was so powerful in this moment. He served as the spiritual recourager that Paul needed as he was learning to lean into and trust Jesus for this new challenge. And it's interesting to note that although Barnabas did plenty of preaching and teaching himself, we don't have a single Barnabas quote recorded in Scripture. There's tons of them for Peter and Paul. And I think what that tells us is that the effectiveness of Barnabas' teaching and preaching wasn't in his choice of words. It was in people experiencing his heart. He had a very different kind of gift. It was effective, but different. And it was needed on the team. And we see that a year later in Acts 13, and starting in verse 2. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them out. Now I'm sure the church in Antioch was very sorry to see them go because they had been doing very powerful and effective work in Antioch. But God had new territory for them to take. And so in obedience, they go and the church lets them go. And God did great things with that team on this journey. In fact, in Cyprus, Pisidian, Antioch, and Iconium, every time they spoke, people were so intrigued by what they heard that they invited them to come back again. And by their second week in Pisidian, Antioch, almost the entire city had gathered to hear them talk about Jesus. And God gave them signs and wonders to confirm the truth of everything that they were saying. And despite a pretty vocal opposition, many people came to believe in Jesus. And Barnabas and Paul were flying high. And then came Lystra. Things had started out good there. Jesus used them to heal a man who hadn't been able to walk since birth. And in this miracle, the crowds were overwhelmed to the point that they thought that they were, Paul and Barnabas were gods. In Acts 14, 11, when the crowd saw what Paul had done, they shouted in the Lyconian language, the gods have come down to us in human form. Barnabas they called Zeus, and Paul they called Hermes because he was the chief speaker. So the fact that they thought Barnabas was Zeus tells me he must have come off as the strong, silent type. Paul was the vocal one. But to stop people from trying to worship them, they had to convince them, no, no, we are not Zeus and Hermes. In fact, the power that healed this man didn't come from us at all. This power is the power of Jesus the Christ, who God raised from the dead. And then somehow, in a matter of minutes, this crowd who had wanted to worship them as Roman gods now ended up wanting to kill them as messengers of Christ. And in Acts 14, 20, they actually stoned Paul until they thought he was dead. Not Barnabas, it seems. <laughs> Perfect example of how people always want to shoot the messenger. <laughs> but after everybody left, the disciples gathered around Paul and they prayed, and Paul eventually got up and they dragged him back to Derby. Now, how would you be feeling about the mission if you were Paul at that point? It was a dismal failure. Would you be wondering, what did we do wrong? Would you be thinking, I am obviously the wrong person for this mission? Would you be needing a little encouragement? I think it is pretty important for us to notice moments like these in Scripture. 
Because the truth is, in this broken world, things won't always go well when you're living the mission that Jesus gives you. And it's not because you're doing anything wrong. Remember, there were lots of people who wouldn't even listen to Jesus when he was right there in front of them. And Paul's attempts, even with the evidence of miracles, sometimes ended with days like this. Now, you might think that's kind of a downer of a message, but really I mean it as an encouragement. And the encouragement is this. Don't be so hard on yourself. Every human heart has the freedom to respond to this grace. All we can do is point people to it the best we can. And sometimes they're going to want to hear more. And sometimes they'll throw stones. That's just how it is. But it's how we respond after they throw the stones that really matters. Because that's when people are looking for what we're really made of. And the story isn't over yet. After dragging back to Derby, I can just imagine Paul completely discouraged, thinking, why, God? Who's ever going to want to hear about you, Jesus, after that? But when Paul went back to speak in Derby, after almost being killed for talking about Jesus, what he found was a whole ton of people who were very willing to give him their full attention. Because they wanted to know what is so important to him about what this Jesus gives us that he would still be willing to talk to us about Jesus after all that. Now this might seem a little strange, a little counterintuitive even, but history has shown that it's true. As the saying goes, it's the blood of the martyrs that's the seed of the church. What that means is when Christians are willing to sacrifice, to let other people know the love and the freedom that Jesus brings them, that matters. People responded. Paul was first recouraged by Barnabas and the disciples reminding him of Jesus' suffering and faithfulness for us. And then this encouraged Paul, encouraged this whole village to seek after Jesus. And this is the community that eventually produced Timothy, the evangelist. It was Paul who impacted Timothy, but without Barnabas, there would have been no Paul. See, Paul was first encouraged by Barnabas to step into his giftings, and he was encouraged to keep going when it seemed everything had fallen apart. And then finally, he was encouraged by seeing how completely Jesus loved the people they encountered. And although Paul would always proclaim the truth of Jesus to the synagogues first, his heart was now drawn to the Gentiles, to the people on the outside, because he could see how hungry they were for the love of this God who had come to them in Jesus. And seeing that encouraged him to want to keep reaching out more and more. You see, through Barnabas the encourager, Paul learned how to seek out the encouragement of Christ for himself. And that growing actually served to make possible what came next. You see, I wish I could close this message by saying, and thus the dream team of Paul and Barnabas continued for many years. That's not how the story goes. In fact, in Acts 15, Paul and Barnabas ended up parting ways. Because the encourager wanted to give John Mark a second chance and invite him on the next missionary journey with them, even though he had chickened out and bailed on them partway through the first one. And Paul said, no way, this mission is too important. And Barnabas said, John Mark is too important. And because they were both right, in the end, the result was two teams going out. Barnabas with John Mark and Paul and Silas, who you'll hear about next week. Now, that might seem a little discouraging to you. I mean, can't we all get along? But the truth is, they had two very different kinds of missions that the Spirit was leading them toward, missions that were suited toward their unique giftings. 
And the fact is, our God knows our faults as well as he knows our strengths. And he can use even them to his glory. And that's what he did in this new season with these teams being sent out into the world. And the fact is, there are seasons in our lives when God calls us to a purpose, and sometimes those seasons change. We're given new people to encourage, new situations where we can re-courage the discouraged with the courageous love of Jesus. And sometimes that comes when people ask to know more, and sometimes it comes after a season where you feel like you've been pummeled by rocks. (laughs) We know that sometimes the hardest seasons can actually become the most fruitful because our God is a God of resurrection and power, and that in itself is encouraging. So how about you? Are you looking for purpose in this season of your life? If you are, if you're looking for a way to bless the world, may I suggest that you pray about an intentional ministry of encouragement? Because I think the world in which we live right now is desperately in need of encouragers like Barnabas, who look to Jesus' courageous love for us and then speak that meaning, purpose, and value into a discouraged world. See, our God so loved the world, that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. What that means is God thinks you're a keeper. And he sent Jesus to encourage you to know that that's true about you. And he sent his Holy Spirit to lift you up, to be a lifter of others too. So today, what has you discouraged? Know that you can bring it to Jesus. Give it to him. Let him speak his truth into it and return it to you, recouraged by his love. What has the power to encourage you, to fill you with courage, the courage that you need to live Jesus' purpose uniquely in your life and the world? Ask the Lord for that encouragement today as the Holy Spirit breathes his life into you. And then I'd like to invite you to think about living into the ministry of encouragement for those around you in your life. Because a little encouragement goes a long way. There's so much power in encouragement. And with that, I'd like to leave you with a kind of ridiculous example. Uh, I've been on Weight Watchers for the past several months. It's a very slow, steady, hard battle, especially past 40. And after my, after, to my surprise, after I hit certain milestones, I got in the mail these two little metal charms that were marking some achievements along with a little card that said, way to go. And I had no idea these things were coming, and it took me for a while to even figure out what they were for or what they were supposed to be. But when I did, the fact that someone somewhere noticed where my app was registering and threw these in the mail to encourage me actually made me tear up a little bit. (laughs) I stood there with tears in my eyes holding these little medallions, and I thought, this is dumb. (laughs) I know this is a marketing ploy. I know it. But I confess, it made a difference to me that somebody was cheering for me to succeed, even though deep down I knew I was paying them to. (laughs) Still, it mattered. The power of encouragement, it doesn't take much, but it makes such a difference. Now, it's not going to matter whether I'm up or down five pounds at all in eternity. (laughs) How much more important is encouragement in those things that make an eternal difference? Without Barnabas, we might not have had a Paul. So who can you be a Barnabas for in your life? It takes courage to love like Jesus. And it starts with Jesus' encouraging work in us. Jesus, who by the proof of his sacrificial love in action for us, came to be known to us as Messiah, Christ, Savior, Redeemer, and Friend. 
wants to let loose his courageous love in you for the sake of the world. And as he makes his home in your life, beloved, how do you want to be known? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the encouragement of your love for us today in a very discouraging world. We pray, Lord, that as you give us the courage of your grace, that you would show us those places in this world that need a word, an action, the support of encouragement from us to show who you are in their lives in powerful ways. Lord, we know that you love this world. We know that you love us. Help us, Lord, to be vessels of that encouraging love to others as well. And all these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.